Has anybody had to get a new set of tires lately? I am a, I'm a dad, and so we recently had um, uh, uh, our oldest daughter. She start, became a driver, which is great. Love it. Um, but that means for me as a dad, I'm looking at three cars, 12 tires. My youngest is about to get her car. She's about to become a driver. I'm like, 16 tires, man. That means I'm constantly changing tires. And so I was actually taking my daughter's car in for a whole other problem, for her brakes, there's other stuff. So we get in there for breaks, and they came out and they tell me, hey, man, you got two bad tires. I'm like, impossible. I just put four new tires last year. No way. Can they already be bad? And I looked at them, and sure enough, man, they were bald. They were already, you know, almost down to the metal. I was like, man, I got to take the two new tires. So I'm, uh, I get in, I start driving it, and somebody's going to guess what happened. So driving around the circles, that thing is out of alignment like mad. I'm like, well, no wonder, that's the problem. The problem is not the tires, the problem is the car's alignment's out of whack. And I said, Taylor, why didn't you tell me that you, that you were like driving in circles? She said, I just thought it was a brake problem. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's going on, man? So, so, but that is, isn't that, isn't that just the way, isn't, isn't that how we kind of view our life as well, is, is we don't really focus on the real problem, what's really going on behind the scenes. We like just, we just keep replacing those tires, don't we, in our life. We just keep putting on new tires, and I think in much the same way, we misunderstand, we misdiagnose, we don't really deal with the real problem that's going on in our life. So those tires are often representative of those behaviors in our life. We like just slapping on new tires, don't we? Without really dealing with what's going on and the real problem. You see, good or bad, it doesn't matter. Good behaviors, bad behaviors. Behaviors, what they do is they serve as indicators in our life. Just like those, those tires were serving as indicators that there was another real problem going on. Those behaviors, they can serve as indicators in our life, but that's not what's actually going on. It's not what's actually wrong or right with our life, but instead those behaviors reveal who's in charge of our life, who is aligning our life, who is ruling over our life. Let me explain it to you this way. We recently just had a parent workshop uh, here this summer for our parents so we could come alongside, help equip them, help them to, to, to know better how to disciple their own kids and their, their own families. And so I use this illustration uh, there, and I think it's appropriate, appropriate for our context today because as parents, it is really easy to focus on our kids' behavior, isn't it? To get locked in on their behavior. In fact, so much so that as parents, we quickly make it our mission to what? control their behavior, right? We think that becomes our job as a mom or as a dad. The problem is, and hear me when I say this, our kids don't have a behavior problem. They have a defiance problem, don't they? In fact, let, let me, uh, uh, they say pictures is worth a thousand words, so check this picture out. I, why say it when I can just show you, right? For, you, for those of you that don't know, this is uh, this is Coraline, that's right. This is the, and, and it was funny, the first service said, Jonathan, you better have gotten permission from those parents to use it. It's Craig and Rachel Walston, our, our youth pastor here. I did, however, they had already posted it on, on Instagram. So technically, I didn't have to. Because <laughs> if you don't know, when you post stuff on the interwebs, that is like putting it on a billboard. Um, just, just FYI. So any, but this is, this is their daughter, and it was such an appropriate picture for our kids' real problem. Listen, our kids don't have a behavior problem, moms and dads. Our kids have a, you're not the boss of me, and I'm in charge problem. 
don't they? All you got to do is have kids if you want to find out what the real problem is. You know what the real problem is? is Because with kids, it's not their behaviors. It is that they are little sinners. Listen, no, no, I know. You laugh, but listen, it is true. They are little rebels. They are little, little sinners. And listen, as parents, we have willingly, by choice, we have invited these little sinners into our house on purpose. All right, here's where the laughter shifts to sadness. In the end, in the end, our kids have an authority issue. And our kids don't need behavioral correction. What they need is a heart realignment, don't they? Our primary jobs as parents is not to try and control behavior, but it is to help change their heart. Because their problem is, is, is that they were never created to rule their own heart. Our mission as parents is to show them the one person in their life that can actually fix their problem and change their heart. And it is not you, and it is certainly not them. There is only one person that can do that. And the bad news, mom, the bad news, dad, the bad news, uh, young adult that has no kids yet, the blessings of those little sinners, the bad news, older adult that, have, that you have grown up kids, the bad news is any human being that's listening to my voice now, the bad news is we have the exact same problem, don't we? That problem never change, changes in our life. We don't like being told what to do, do we? See, but the problem is, is we were never created to rule our hearts. We were never to, created to rule our life, to be Lord over our life. So if we weren't created to be that, we better find out fast who's supposed to be ruling our life. If we're not the ones that's supposed to be in charge of it, if our parents aren't the ones that's supposed to be in charge of it, we better quickly find out who is supposed to be the ruler, who is supposed to be the Lord over our life, and we better find out in a hurry because you see, Ultimately, whoever you're obedient to in life, whatever person you are obedient to in life determines the outcome of your life. We are all gonna be obedient to somebody. And whoever it is will determine the outcome of your life, not just one day in the future with heaven and hell, every moment of your day. And to put it another way, and this is our primary emphasis and point today, is that, listen, beloved, relational obedience always comes before behavioral change. That is our ultimate issue, relational obedience. Who we are in proper uh, relationship when it comes to our authority, their authority, our authority, our obedience, that always comes before any behavioral change happens. And so today, I want us to actually unpack this and look at, okay, well, let's take a look then at who are those true authorities in our life? Who are those rulers in our life? If it's not us, if it's not mom and dad, if it's not our grandparents, if it's not whatever, who are those authorities? How can we recognize those proper authorities in our life or those rulers in our life? And how can, how can we understand why we choose to obey certain rulers in our life. And listen, spoiler alert, the true authority in your life is never you. It is never you. No matter how bad you want it to be, no matter how many tables you stand up on and declare it to be, it is never, ever you. 
So flip with me, turn with me today to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and uh, I, I titled this, this sermon Realignment because I couldn't title it Sin, Nobody Would Come. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want to make things awkward? Let's start talking about sin, right? Sin, sin's one of those things that, 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 that you know it's there, but, but you don't ever really want to deal with it, right? And so Romans 6 um, talks about that. And, and for those that, that have like a, a hard copy Bible, the, the words are up on the screen, maybe you're looking at digitally. If you have one of these guys, uh, a lot of times there'll be like a little subheading uh, in the Bible. And in chapter 6, the subheading says, dead to sin, alive in Christ. And right away, I'll go ahead and give you the answer to the rulers in our life. There's only two of them. It is sin or Christ. That's it. If you want to know, hey, well, okay, Jonathan, if I'm not, if mom, dad, if, if, if these people are not in charge of me, if I'm not the boss of me, who are the rulers in my life? There are only two options ever, sin and Christ. That's it. So they, they give it away right away. And so we have to decide sin is a ruler who wants to bring us death. God is a ruler who wants to bring us life. And so Paul is writing this letter to the church at Rome, and like many of the early churches back then, um, they, they were filled with Gentile converts, and that just meant basically people that weren't Jews. They had converted to Christianity, they had put their faith and trust in, in Jesus, they had heard the gospel, responded to it. So you had a church full of Gentile converts, but you also had some Jewish converts, and so there was a culture in the church, the, the body of Christ, there was a culture clash, and you know what happened because there were more Gentile converts? These Jewish converts started saying, yeah, but you guys need to do this now, and it's Jesus plus this, and this, and this, and this, and you need to become like us. So you know what the Gentile converts did? They kicked them out. They said, goodbye. We, we, we have more people than you. You're out of here. So for several years, they kicked them out. But they had a change of heart, and they, have, they brought them back into the body, to the faith family. And so this is kind of where we find ourselves with the church at Rome. And, and so Paul is writing this letter. And I think he's writing this letter. One of the reasons, I think, is because he knows now that they are in that church culture conflict where you had Jewish converts, Gentile converts. Paul was a Jewish convert himself that now was proclaiming the gospel to Gentile converts. So he understood that culture clash. So what he knew was happening was people in the church were battling for what? Control. They were battling for control, and Paul was specifically, graphically reminding them that guess what, Gentile convert, you're not in control. Guess what, Jewish convert, you're not in control. There is only one person that's the head of this church, and it is Christ. So we, we find that today in our own cultural context, don't we? In the new life family of faith. Man, I've been serving for 30 years, preacher. I know more than you. I'm in control. Elder, you're not in control. Pastor, preacher, you're not in control. Not of his church. We're not in control. They weren't in control. Paul is explicitly reminding them that, hey, it is his church. There is one who has authority over that church, and it is not you. And it's not me. And you've got, to, you've got to deal with that authority issue. And so now I want to make it personal. I want to bring it down to what we fight with on a personal front, on a very personal level. And so Paul is making this very personal now. And he start, starts in verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? 
skip to verse 6. He goes on and he says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body, catch these words, ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Skip over to it, verse 11. It says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, and here, here's another authority word, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And catch this, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, you are under grace. Translation, you got a new master now. No longer will you be a slave to this old master to sin as your ruler. Now you have a brand new master and that kingdom is the kingdom that is ushered in by this rule of grace. Praise God. For we have died to sin. Listen, Paul is using some very graphic terminology here. He is using words that today in our cultural context really uh, um, can be disheartening. Uh, it, It can be when we hear these words uh, it can conjure all kind of things. We, we may have personally experienced, you know, some of these things, um, the, the, you know, awful control, the, this master over us. And so we may see this and, 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 it, and bring up lots of negative thinking and negative uh, emotions. And Paul knows that, and he's using this graphic imagery so that we can understand what's really at stake. So he is not taking these terms and, and, and distorting it like the world does. He's using them so we understand God's truth and what they're intended to be. And so it is very graphic. And anytime we see those words, those kind of images come to mind. When we see words like ruled and slaves and set free and master and reign and obey and under. Guys, listen, anytime you are under someone, that means they are ruling over you. That means they have authority over your life. And that's what Paul is addressing here, and that's what he is talking about, and something awful has had, listen, anytime something has to die, that means something severe is going on. Anytime you have to, to, to do that in order to free somebody from something, something severe is going on. We were, and at times still are, being ruled by something evil. Something that was never intended to rule over us, but rule over us, it did. And it is a ruler that is intent on bringing us harm. And when we see that, when we see somebody in that situation where they are a slave to an evil master, we are horrified. We are terrified. Nobody has to tell us and alert us to that fact that, hey, that's wrong. That's not right. Something has gone severely wrong in their life. Nobody should be ruled over by an evil master. And when we see that and acknowledge that, that another person is in that kind of lifestyle, we want to free them. We want to rescue them. We want to bring them out of that lifestyle. And two things happen. If you've ever been in a lifestyle like that, or if you've ever seen someone like that, you know that that typically right away when you get under a rule like that, all you can think about is how to escape. 
That's all you're focused on. You know that you shouldn't be ruled by that evil master, so you are looking to break free and escape that evil rule. But if you're under that rule long enough, do you know what happens? We see this, we see it's an age-old story. It happens in our culture today. When you're left under that rule long enough as a slave to an evil master, you start to lose hope, don't you? What happens is you kind of resign yourself to the fact that, well, I guess I'm never getting out underneath this evil master. I guess I'm always gonna be a slave to, to, to it, to this ruler. I'm never gonna break free, and eventually you begin to live a lifestyle of hopelessness. A life without hope because now you've just kind of resigned yourself to the fact that that is the way it's going to be. Nobody's coming to rescue me. One of the visions, one of the, the hopes that we have here at New Life that, that, that we've talked about is getting involved in actually ministries and organizations uh, concerning sex trafficking today. Uh, we're actually in the process uh, of doing that. And, and sex trafficking, if you don't know, is a brutal and it is an awful thing. And, and, and with me, it really hits home with me because I have two daughters. If you have two daughters, you start thinking about this stuff because, listen guys, today sex trafficking, it goes on in plain sight every single day right here in our country. And it is brutal and awful. And when it comes to light and when we're made aware of it, we're like, oh no, we have got to help these girls get out of bondage, get out of slavery. They are being trafficked as humans. They have a master that is controlling them. And listen, so I actually, because of this, I started digging into it a little bit and I watched this video uh, of sex trafficking going on in Phoenix, Arizona. And these women, these ladies had gone undercover and they were, they were trying to infiltrate the sex trafficking ring. And two things really struck me from that. One is what they, what they said, what they responded to was they said, you know, human trafficking will never stop because humans are recyclable. With drugs, with things like that, you have to keep making the product. With humans, you just get to reuse them over and over again. How sad is that? Breaks our hearts, should, should, should break yours. And the, the other truth when, when it comes to that is, is to say, man, you know, with, with, with sex, how, how could something that evil be going on, but do but you know what, what they said, that the, the police officer said, you know, they said, you know, we have stopped, we have stopped prosecuting the women and putting them in jail because we realize, we understand that they are forcibly doing this. They are slaves to what used to be called a pimp, what's now called a trafficker, but the bottom line is, is that they are doing this under somebody else's control. They are being forced into this lifestyle, and most of them now are leading a life, resigning to the fact that they are hopeless and never getting set free. And it breaks my heart. And nobody has to tell us that something like that is wrong. The girls are behaving that way because they are under a master that is evil and intends harm to them. And beloved, understand this about sin today. Sin is an assault on authority long before morality. First and foremost, that, that's, we have to understand this about sin as a ruler. Sin is an assault on authority long before it ever is on morality. And make no mistake, sin's place in our life is not just bad behavior. Oh no, you made a mistake. No, 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 no. Sin's position in our life is always to rule us. It is, he, they are always, sin is always gonna act as a ruler because that's what it is. It is an evil master and it is really good at it. 
And I'm spending more time today on, on the sin side of the, the, the equation, on the sin side of the gospel, because believers, listen, th- this message absolutely are, are, is for those people that have never broken free, that have never surrendered their life to Christ and actually come out of that slavery and bondage that was sin into a kingdom of grace where now they have a God that loves them and that rules over them. Absolutely, that is true. But today, beloved, this message is probably more so for us as believers that have, we have crossed over and, and, and said we acknowledge, we've put our faith and trust in Christ and now we are living under that kingdom of grace. This message really is for us. And this text today is reminding us of this fact that yes, we'll nod our head and we'll agree to that fact on an intellectual level that that's right, sin assaults authority before it does morality, but, but every day we live our lives where we understand that intellectually, but we don't make the transition here, do we? It reminds us that the, the position that sin holds in our life is always as ruler and nothing else. And we are born into it. We are born into sin as our master. And we do not have the power to overcome it. So God had to die in order to kill it. And now you can put your faith and trust in the person of Jesus to be saved and rescued from that evil master. Thank God. Thank God. But hear this today, when you've made that transition, now you have been rescued, you have been set free, you have come under a new rule and a new king. Understand this about sin. When you're set free from sin, it has lost its power over you, but not its influence over you. Yes, you have been freed from that master, now you have a new master. Yes, it no longer has power over you, but it did not lose its influence over you. What does that mean? That means now you have a choice in the matter. Now you are under God's rule, you serve him, you are under that kingdom of grace, and so now anytime you decide to go back to your old master, you are making that choice because no longer does it have power over you. You've been set free, and so we would say, man, why in the world, when we think about it in human trafficking terms, if a prostitute got ripped out and saved from that lifestyle, we would say, no way would she ever go back to her old master. Why in the world would she do that? She has been set free from that evil master. But yet we do it every day, don't we? We have been set free, moved into a kingdom of grace, and now we have a new master, and every day, we make a choice to run back to our old master, don't we? We make that choice because we actually have that choice. Now, why do we do that? Because even though it's lost its power, sin still has not lost its influence on us. And in sin's kingdom, his currency is lies. The relational transactions that happen under sin's rule is lies. That's how things operate. And when you're under that authority of sin, whether by force or by choice, guess what happens? Your relational transactions will be operating with lies. You will start lying to yourself. You will start lying to others. You'll certainly lie to God. Because that is the currency under that rule. And here's the truth today, and and guys, this is the big one. This is the one I think we really miss as believers. See, you haven't been set free from sin in order to be set free to rule. But man, we make that mistake, don't we? We think now, oh, oh, okay, now we have been set free. Praise God, we're free. And we've been set free to rule. 
now. You are not free to rule. You, you have not been set free to rule yourself, to rule your life. You have been set free to come under a new rule and to come under a God that loves you, to come under the one true Lord. And, and when you're under his rule, when you're in that, that kingdom, what you start to experience is shalom. And it's not just a, a canned word that, 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 that Jews still use when they use that word shalom and they were talking about God's peace. What that meant was like, no, hey, cool, cool, go and we hope that a boulder doesn't fall on you. No, what they were saying is, please go and live under that right kingdom, under his grace, where relationships get restored, where relationships get made right, when what, what sin broke is now being restored and fixed and made right. Go in peace, shalom. Live under that rule, live under that banner, live with hope. You are no longer a slave to sin, but you have not been freed to rule. You were never created or intended to do that. So why do we continue to do that? Why do we continue to run back to our old master? Do you know, wanna know why, you, you wanna know um, sin's big lie, his go-to lie that he uses on us still today? He used it from the very beginning. Listen, when, if you go back to Genesis from the very beginning, God created things, he created us to be in right relationship with him where Things were in proper order. Relational obedience was in proper order. God was God. We were under his rule. Things were working as they were supposed to. And sin, who was still a ruler, didn't have power over us. But you know what he had? Influence. So his go-to lie right away was, hey, cool, cool. That's right. You got this, man. It's all about you, baby. How you living in that garden? Did God really say that? Because it's about you. What's your move, player? What you gonna do next? Because I think he's keeping you from some stuff. Because sin at the time, he did, he, you weren't his slave. But he could still influence you. And sin's trick is to get you to think while you're under God's rule is that, oh, 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 oh I'm in charge. I've been, I've been created or I have been set free to reign. And so when, now we buy it. We're like, and you're right. And you are right. What is my next move? What is my next? And you know when we start thinking that way, and we, we start, you know what happens? We start getting scared because we're in charge. And fear grows. And anxiety grows. And blame grows. And what our evil master is doing is saying, that's right, no, you got this, you got this. And the fear grows and the anxiety grows and so we, we, he's got us now because now we grip it tighter and tighter and tighter. And we think we're in charge, but you know who's really in charge now? Sin. And we have given him control willingly. Guys, listen, where, where you're most afraid exposes who you trust the most. We don't need to try harder or to control our behaviors or to control other people's behaviors. We need to trust in our new master. One that is uniquely designed to rule over you. That is the way it's supposed to be because he created you. One that we can trust has our best interest at heart. One that leads us with kindness and not manipulation. Look with me at Romans 2, verses 1 through 4.
Paul says, you, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Hey, Jewish converts, you passing judgment on your Gentile converts, you're doing the same thing. Hey, Gentile converts, passing judgment on Jewish converts, you're doing the same thing. Hey, church family at New Life, passing judgment on one another, you're doing the same thing. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, and you can underline that and circle that, when you, a mere human being that was created to be ruled by either sin or God, when you pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? His forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Because that's what our new ruler does. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's our kindness that shows us the way. Under his rule, we are loved. Under his rule, our relational transactions are kindness and patience and forgiveness because we're not in charge. It's not about us. And people, people, people will know. They'll know which rule that we're under. That's what, when, when Jesus talks about that, when he says, hey, people will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Not because you're good. They're not gonna see your love and think, oh, oh they're good. No, they're gonna see your love and they should know, oh, well, they're being ruled by God and they're in his kingdom. And that's how they're gonna know by his love because that's the, the relational transactions that happen under that rule. So, so believer, today, I wanna leave you thinking about what is your surrender reset? We kinda all have a surrender reset, don't we? And I, I'll explain to you this way. I have two daughters that are in, in the youth group. If you've never been part of a youth group uh, before, uh, one of the big things when you're involved in a youth group in a church is that they'll typically go on an annual retreat, right? They'll go, they'll go out, they'll go on an annual retreat, they'll, they'll get away from the world. And what happens every time these kids go on this annual retreat? Every, every year, my kids come back, and you will think they have seen the face of God, right? They're coming back, the, 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 light, the light, it's like Moses, it's like the light is still shining off of them, right? They're like, man, you have seen God take me to this place. Now, do you know what's happened? Do you know what happens when, when they go on that retreat? Those that are already believers in Christ, it's not that they need resaving. No, they are secure. You are, they are secure in their faith and in in who they put their trust in. No, no, no. You know what happens is now they are surrendering to God's rule. They are saying, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not about me. God's in charge. And everybody, all those kids are starting to say, yeah, that's right. God's in charge of my life. I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to sit there and backstab my friend and try and take his or her girlfriend. I don't have to act that way. I don't have to believe the lie that it's about me, 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 what people think about me, how I dress, how I look, how I do this, what I say. None of those things happen. They start to acknowledge that, oh yeah, that's right. We're in a different kingdom now. We've been set free. I'm gonna acknowledge God as our ruler the way things are intended to be. And now with their relationships, wow, they start transacting differently. They start actually doing things in love. It's like, man, I just love you so much and they hug for five minutes, right? 
And you're like, that sounds awful. I'm just kidding. But that's what happens. And now what happens? The minute they leave that retreat, what happens? Remember, sin's still a ruler. He's lost power. He hasn't lost influence. So what's, what's his go-to lie? All right, all right, all right. It's all about you, baby. What's your next move? And man, you know what Craig does? We need a winter retreat. We need two retreats. We got we to have a surrender reset like twice a year. And we laugh, we laugh, grown-ups, but guess what we do? Guess what our surrender reset is? Oh, yeah, man, we put our faith in trust. We've been rescued. We have been ripped, set free from our old master, given a new master, and what do we do? Okay, yeah, 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 but now it starts becoming about us. We live our life thinking that we're in charge, and now it goes sideways. It keeps going sideways. We just keep trying to slap new tires on our life. It never works out until finally we surrender. He's like, fine, I'll go to church with you again. And then we realize we come to a place like this, and we say, yes, that's right. God is in charge. He does reign supreme. People love me. I don't have to be somebody. I'm not here. I'm not ashamed. And then you leave this place again, and guess what happens? Guess what your surrender reset becomes? Sundays. Oh man, Sunday, I can't even do a week anymore. My surrender reset. Now, gosh, now I gotta get my daily quiet time. That's what'll do it. And we close that book and we, we leave our house and we buy the lie again. And not even the daily quiet time's enough. Because what's enough? Every moment of every day, we have to acknowledge that fact and do a surrender reset. We have not been set free to rule. We have been set free to surrender to a brand new ruler. Whoever, whoever rules your heart today transforms your life every minute of every day. Yes, you can have all the surrender resets you want, but whoever rules your heart will determine the outcome of your life. Absolutely, that will determine where you're going to spend eternity. But guys, hear this, that will also determine how you live every moment of every day. Whoever has it will control it. And there's only two options. There's only two choices. And no longer do we have to be controlled by our old master. And we can acknowledge our new one. And we can be finally set free to surrender. May his kindness today leads you to repentance. God, even from the very beginning, he was in control. He was ruling over Adam and Eve, but he does not, his kingdom does not force us to love him. So he let him make a choice. And today, over and over, he will continue to pursue you. He will continue to extend his hand of kindness and say, please take my hand. It hurts me. I will do whatever it takes so that you will not serve that old master. I will rip you out of that lifestyle. I will, even his discipline is kindness. He's doing that out of kindness because he knows what that old master has in store for you. And he wants you to come under his rule of grace. And kindness today. So may his kindness lead you to that kind of repentance today. Would you pray with me? God, I, I am so guilty of this. 
Sermons like this typically come out of me because that's what I'm struggling with. I know it. I know half the people in this room, probably over half the people in this room, and I know they're struggling with the same thing. God, help us. Help us to know things do not end well when we buy the lie that we're in charge. God, help us to acknowledge that fact, to acknowledge you as our rightful ruler today. God, if there's somebody here today that has yet to make that decision to actually, for the first time, break free from their evil master. Father, they are still a slave. They don't have control. It is not their fault. God, please help them to break free, to run to you, to respond to your kindness. Father, help us today as a church family to operate under your rule, God, to to allow us to make our relational transactions in love, your love, not because we're good, but because you are. Father, hear our prayer today, and we pray this in your son's name, Jesus.